Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Boringer Ingelheim. Through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Boringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at bi-animalhealth.com. Healthy Climate Monitor. We give you insight, and you get control. Find us at healthyclimatemonitor.com. Essential Ag Solutions. Bringing innovative science-based solutions to livestock producers. Elanco. Get your full value from start to finish with Elanco. Cloud Farms. Swine management to the next level. Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm the host of the podcast. Joining me on our episode this week is Dr. Guilherme Aruda. Dr. Aruda is a veterinarian and a PhD student at Iowa State University. Guilherme, thank you very much for coming to join us on the podcast. In case there are some people out there that have not had the pleasure, Guilherme, of getting to meet you yet, why don't you give the audience a little introduction? Thank you, Clayton. Thank you for having me today. It's an honor to be here in the podcast today. And a little bit about me, I'm a DVM from Brazil. I graduated there in 2016. And then I did my master's also in Brazil. And once I finished my master's, I started to work for an autogenous vaccine company in Brazil doing the technical service, first for poultry, and after that moved to the swine. And then I ended up here in Iowa State University to do my PhD, started in 2022 with Dr. Linhares and also Dr. Trevisan here, and doing the coordination of the swine disease reporting system project here. Imagine being able to monitor your animals and farm climate remotely. The Healthy Climate Monitor combines camera and sensor data, and they will give you real-time insight into behavior, temperature, CO2, relative humidity, ammonia, and air pressure, light intensity, and particulate matter. We give you insight, and you get control. Find us at HealthyClimateMonitor.com. Very good. Well, and Guilherme, um, I've been close to the swine disease reporting uh, project uh, for a long time now, and I know you inherited a project that was very well developed, but uh, in talking to you before the podcast, you've been adding even more diseases into the SDRS program. Do you want to talk to us a little bit, um, maybe start out with just a description of SDRS, the Swine Disease Reporting System, maybe a, a hit for or a mention for your own podcast, because yeah. I know you get out some good information all the time. Um, talk to us a little bit about what that is and then what diseases, Guilherme, did you want to add to the list of diseases that were already being monitored? Yeah, Clayton, the Swine Disease Reporting System project uh, is a project that we aggregate data from, v from VDLs here from the United States for veterinary diagnostic laboratories, mainly PCR data, but we also have first virus sequencing or, or five. And also from the ISU VDL, we have the confirmed tissue diagnosis that is made by the diagnosticians here. And all this information goes to the report that we have with eight pathogens. Uh, currently, we have PERS, all the enteric coronaviruses, uh, influenza, mycoplasma, and the PCV2 and PCV3 that we're going to talk a little bit about today. Yeah, well, PCV2 and PCV3 are the newest additions, and congratulations on getting those added in there. Um, not necessarily straightforward to uh, interpret diagnostic results for any disease, but particularly with PCV. 
Um, you've got a, an advisory board, Guillermo, that gives you feedback on how to interpret the data, how to summarize it, and ultimately how we should consume it. What was your advisory board's feedback about how to measure PCV2 and certainly how to interpret the data? Yeah, Clayton, when we start to do this aggregation to report back to the industry, uh, we have only the PCR positive cases there. And when we run this information with the advisory, they said, okay, uh, that's not enough information for us because a PCR positive case for PCV2, it doesn't mean that we are having disease on the field, like clinical signs going on. And then they challenge us like, hey, let's go a little bit deeper and try to find more information using other parameters that we have from the database. And we start to dig in a little bit on the CT values of the PCR, so the cycle, the cycle thresholds. That for the audience that is not too familiar, when we have a high CT value, it means that we, we have a lower uh, viral load in this sample. And when we have a low CT value, it means that we have a high viral load in this specific sample that were submitted. And then what we start to do is to merge two informations. One was the PCR CT values that we have. And here in the ISU VDL, we have the DX code database, that, that is the diagnostic codes that are made by the diagnosticians that once they evaluate tissue samples that are submitted to the VDL, they evaluate all the clinical information that they have from the story of the case, plus all the tests that were performed, PCR, and also uh, bacteriology or virology in this case, and also the histological lesions. And based on all this information, they assign a code that is like, okay, this disease was causing this specific lesion in this case. So when we merge this database, we had the, the PCR information, the CT values, and also the confirmed tissue diagnosis. And when we plug to our statistical models, we could see which specific CT has a higher or lower accuracy to understand if we have this disease going on based on this confirmed tissue diagnosis database. And just to go straight to the results, of course, uh, the CT value that we had that, was the, that had the best accuracy in the model was 22.4, the CT value of the, the, the submission. And one, with that, we have over 80% of accuracy. And kind of translating that would be like in five cases, the model would get right in four of these cases, and one of them, they would commit a mistake. So if the CT value was above that specific value, the chance of disease would be really rare and be and below that would be higher to have this confirmed tissue diagnosis of PCV2. But as a reminder to our audience, this is an interpretative cutoff that we did using a model. It's not specifically correlated with the PCR itself, like with the kits. It's, one, it's a statistical model that calculates that to give this information and kind of create this interpretative cutoff that we are using with this database. Did you um, sort your data, Guillerme, for the model by, by organ system that the PCR test was run on before, or did you look at different organ systems? Because we can find PCV in the lungs, we can find PCV in the lymph node, in the blood. How did you handle all the different organ systems that could potentially get in, uh, tested? Yes, yes, Clayton, we did that uh, specifically with the reproductive cases that they were a, li a little bit different in terms of when we plugged the model. Remember that for these PCRs that we merged the data, all of them were tissue cases. So we didn't have like processing fluids, oral fluids, this population-based samples were not inside of the specific calculation. 
But for the organs, you were right. Like they have different uh, parameters for each of them. But when we sort out only the reproductive cases, this interpretative cutoff increased a little bit. So for the fetuses, it was kind of a CT value of 24. That was the cutoff that we have that below that would be like a higher chance of having PCV2 causing that. Very good. What about PCV3, Guilherme? Um, I'm sure that the advisory board had similar questions or concerns about the interpretation of PCV3. We've talked a lot about PCV2 and your model to establish that kind of cutoff or threshold. What about PCV3? Yeah, Clinton, for PCV3 specifically, we had a, a little bit of challenge. We tried to kind of mirror the same model with the PCV3, but for PCV3, we have the challenge that the case definition of this specific disease is not well established already. Like, we still need to investigate more, like, what is a confirmed PCV3 case? So, since we don't have a lot of them to plug in the model as we have PCV2, it was difficult to converge and had like a a really good model in terms of accuracy as we had for PCV2 for PCV3. But uh, all these uh, codes and all these specific models already created. And in the future, once we have this, these more cases that we might have, we can plug that and in the future get the same result or similar result as we have for PCV2. Very good. Well, we look forward, Guilherme, to having you back on to review that PCV3 data once we get enough cases to run that through the model. Thank you, Clayton. It was an honor to be here with you today. Ah, oh, well, thank you very much, Guilherme, for coming on the show, for all your work with the SDRS. You guys produce not only uh, wonderful reports, but also the, the podcast. And so for anybody that's looking for uh, information about disease trends coming out of the diagnostic lab, I'd certainly encourage them to check out uh, your guys' website. Uh, it's Field Epi. Can you go there to find it, or do we need to go to the Schick website to find the reports? Yeah, both of them you can find them. Click on the Schick website under the domestic disease report you can find this information and also in the field app website you also can have the all the reports that not only that but also the dashboards that you guys can access with the real-time data to see how the cases are going on and also as you mentioned the podcast and the youtube videos that if you guys want to check it out good information we have that in the podcast as well salmonella presents significant challenges to pig health and performance and poses food safety risks to humans as the first and only vaccine offering live attenuated strains of both Salmonella cholera suis and Typhimurium, Enterosol Salmonella TC from Boringer Ingelheim protects pigs against both serotypes with a single oral dose. Talk to your Boringer Ingelheim representative to learn more. Thank you very much, Guilherme, for coming on the show. Really appreciate that information and for all the work you guys are doing to help the industry. Thank you. All right. Thanks to the audience for listening to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast. Guilherme and I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you. And please make sure you check out our website and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on our next episode next week. For Dr. Guilherme Aruda, I'm Dr. Clayton Johnson. Thanks and have a great rest of your week. Hey, everybody. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health related research trial and would like to come on the show and talk about it, share it with us, please feel free to email the research to hello at wisenetics.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at W-I-S-E 
N-E-T-I-X dot com.